0: Once again, open up your Bibles to Luke chapter 19. And while you're doing that, let's just bow our hearts and lift this time up in prayer. Father, we do ask that, Lord, you would bless this time. And God, we know that we're, I know we're coming from a lot of different places. Some of us are in our living room. Some of us might even be uh, on our couch or on our, in our cars or doing different things, just listening. But Lord, I pray that you would touch our hearts. That as we watch and learn, we see this from this passage, Jesus is facing that last time, that last week of his life. And we watch him walk toward everything. And God, I pray that 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 would be an encouragement for us. But I also pray that we would know, just as we're going to read today, that he is in complete control of every aspect of this, that we would know that, Lord, you're in control right now. So God, give us ears to hear, encourage us no matter where we're at, no matter what we're going through, no matter what's happening, God, encourage our hearts, draw us to you and strengthen us at this time. And we ask these things in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, once again, Luke chapter 19, we're going to pick it up in verse 28, but a little bit of catch up to know what's going to happen is Jesus has been in Jericho and as he's in jericho he's uh he's ministered to zacchaeus That's one of my, my favorite Bible stories. And not just that he's short and he has to climb up in a tree and, and that aspect. But I do appreciate the fact that Zacchaeus was willing to do anything to see Jesus. And some of us, we won't even pick up our Bibles and read it. But Zacchaeus climbs a tree, gets up in a tree. And then, and then I love, man, he gets saved and that guy goes crazy with his faith. So we read that. And then Jesus gives a parable about the minas, about what you've been entrusted with with and then we pick it up in verse 28 and he said it says this when he had said this he went on ahead up to jerusalem so when he had said what when he had given the parable now he's heading to jerusalem and and for those of us who have been to israel you start out, you're you're down in that Jericho Valley. You're down uh, d- d- way, way below sea level. And all of a sudden, man, you're climbing up. And you climb 3,000 feet to get to uh, Jerusalem. And hey, when we ride that on the bus, I always feel like the bus is straining to get up there. And I think, man, I would hate to walk up there. But Jesus is now doing that journey. He's walking up there. It says, and, and he's going up to Jerusalem. And verse 29 says, And it came to pass when he drew near Bethphage and Bethany at the mount called Olivet, that he sent two of his disciples saying, go into the village opposite you. Where you enter, you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever sat. Loose it and bring it here. So they get to the backside of the Mount of Olives. That's where Bethphage and Bethphage. Bethany are. And remember, Beth, Bethany is the place where Mary and Martha and Lazarus was lived. So important to kind of keep that in mind when we get a little further along. It seems like he's hanging out. Well, I know he hangs out with them because I've read ahead and I've read the other gospels. So he goes in and out of Jerusalem. But every night he spends with Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. But here he is, and he tells his disciples, hey, I want you to go Ahead to Jerusalem. I want you to go into the village opposite us, and there you're going to find this colt on which nobody's ever sat, and I want you to bring it to me. And, you know, there's a lot of things. When I read that, man, i, I got to be honest. I think about a lot of things. Number one, I, you're just going to walk in a village, and you're going to find a donkey tied to probably a railing or something, and you're just going to grab it. You're going to untie it, and you're going to grab it, and you're going to take off with it. Today, we call that, you know, like stealing a car or stealing something, and you're just going to go do that. So it seems a little odd to me. Now, listen, I know Jesus isn't stealing it, but just to ask them, I want us to think about the disciples at this time. I want you to go do that. And then Jesus lets them know, listen, and if anyone asks you, why are you losing it? Thus, you shall say to him, Because the Lord has need of it. Once again, I just want to put that into some real perspective. Hey, go do this, and if somebody asks you why you're untying that donkey, just say, hey, the Lord has need of it or has use of it. How would that work today? If you went and just took something from somebody and you told them, hey, the Lord has need of it, that's why I'm taking it. Don't you think that that would be a little bit awkward? It's kind of like the whole thing when Mary was pregnant with Jesus, trying to explain that. And again, I think some of us, we kind of read this and we go, well, it all worked out and we know. And then some of the scholars say Jesus had prearranged everything. We don't know that for sure. And here's what I love. Listen, Jesus tells them to do it and check out the next verse. Listen to this. So those who were sent went their way and found it just as he said to them. Saints, these guys took a step of faith and I don't care how you, don't care how you cut it and, and you can make believe it didn't matter and all of that because we like, to, we like to kind of make ourselves feel good because we won't take a step of faith so we try and downplay it. These guys took a step of faith following Jesus and here's what I love. It says when they stepped out in faith it was what? They saw everything just as he had said. They come and everything worked Listen, everything worked just as he had said to them. Here's what I know. I know God is working. And I know God is working right now, right here in the events that all of us are facing, the circumstances that we're going through, the difficulties, the hardships, the ups, the downs, the things through this trying time. I know God is in control and I know he's working. But I think a lot of us miss what he's doing. Listen, I don't think you stop him from doing it. I think you miss what he's doing because you're not stepping out in faith. If you do not step out in faith, you're not going to see everything just as he said. But you take that step of faith. Listen, I'm not even asking you to take a leap of faith. This is something small. This is a tiny thing in perspective. Hey, just go do this. And when you do this, here's what you're going to find. You're going to find Jesus. And it's going to encourage you and it's going to strengthen you and it's going to build you up. Hey, I think these guys, when they went and the donkey was there, just as he said, I think, man, they're like, woo, and they're untying that donkey. And then listen, in verse 33, it says, But as they were loosening the colt, the owner said to them, what are you doing, right? What are you doing? Why are you loosening that colt? And they said, the Lord has need of him. Listen, man, they just followed what the Lord said, and it worked out. So I want to encourage us, take those steps of faith. And I think these two guys, the, whoever they were, we don't even know their names. Could have been Peter. Could have been Peter and John. Could have been, you know, John and James. Who knows? But they go out. Can't you imagine walking back with that colt? Wow. Wow, he told us that wasn't was going to happen and that's what happened. Saints, if you take a step of faith, you can, do those, you can have those same emotions, those same feelings. You can know that God is in control and you can see him working in difficult situations and hard situations. And then it tells us, listen, it says in verse 35, then they brought him to Jesus. They brought the cult to Jesus and they threw their own clothes on the cult. And they set Jesus on him. And as he went, many spread their clothes along the road. So here is Jesus getting ready. And, and uh, listen, I kind of look at they're starting to descend the Mount of Olives. And, and here they come. And, and these guys made kind of, a I guess, a makeshift saddle with their clothes. But others just threw their clothes on the road. And what are they doing? Why are they doing that? You know, I, I kind of look at that and I think that's a little odd just to throw your clothes down there. But I believe what that is showing is that these people were willing to submit to Jesus. They were willing to put themselves under his authority. Then in the other gospel accounts, especially Matthew, we read that they had palm branches, hence we call this Palm Sunday, although John MacArthur thinks it's Palm Monday, not Palm Sunday. So you can deal with all of those dates and and, and figure all that out. You can Google that and mess with that all you want. But you know, I don't know about you guys, but I, I know as a new believer, I kind of went, what's the deal with palms? Why did they have, why, why would people be carrying around palm branches at that time? Now, I know this time of year, here, it's a good time to trim up your palm tree. So I don't know if they were just doing some landscape maintenance and they're just like taking the stuff to the to the landfill or something else. I'm not sure what was going on. I'm not even sure what they represented. When I was a newer believer, I used to think this. I used to think, well, maybe it was close to the Feast of Tabernacles and they're all getting ready to build their tabernacle. I know it's Passover time, but maybe, you know, and and then I tried to do the, the chronology and I found out, no, man, the Feast of Tabernacles down the ways. So that's not what they were doing. Frankly, I don't know why they had palms. Maybe it was so... In some of the denominations, when you go to church on Palm Sunday, they give you a little palm branch or a little palm leaf or whatever, and you can weave something out of it, but who knows? But anyway, hey, these people are rejoicing. Listen to their hearts in verse 37. Then as he was uh, now drawing near to the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works they had seen. Listen, Jesus is getting ready and they're strong. I, I personally believe thousands. Remember, by this time, as they're getting ready for Passover, Jerusalem had grown by most estimate by 2 million people. And you have all of these people in that 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 small place. And And, and hey, they had seen the works that they had seen him do. What did they see him do? Well, I think the major one is, he rose Lazarus from the dead. Think about, think about how that impacted their lives. And I kinda, I kinda gotta think that maybe, maybe Mary and Martha and Lazarus are there and the people are going, woo! and they're excited about this one. And then listen to what they shout as he starts down that road. It says, listen, with a loud voice, all the mighty works they had seen, here's what they're shouting. They're saying, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Listen carefully, man. They're saying blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. They're declaring Jesus as the king, as the Messiah, as the coming one. And they're shouting that out and hey, that's gotta impact the world and something to take note of, this time Jesus doesn't tell them, hey, be quiet, keep this to yourself, don't say anything. Hey, Jesus is receiving this, why? Because his coronation is about to happen. Not what everybody thinks. I believe his coronation is a cross. But it's about to happen, he knows it's about to happen. And now is his time. So he receives that. He receives the the, 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 the praise. He receives the shouts. He receives the, the fact that they're in some ways worshiping him as he's riding down that road. Now, something I take note of is Luke leaves out the whole thing. Hosanna, Hosanna uh, to he who comes in the name of the Lord. And that's because it's a Hebrew thing. Luke is a Gentile. Luke is writing to Gentiles, so he doesn't uh, phrase it that way. Now, Matthew says, Hosanna, if you want to read the parallel text. But listen, they're, they're rejoicing. They are stoked. The crowd is excited. I might put a caveat here. In a few days, another crowd, and I think many of the same people are going to be shouting crucify him so it shows that hey sometimes the crowd mentality gets us going it's my prayer that for us as we're praising the lord we're not praising the lord just when it's a crowd and might be a good time to mention in church when we're all gathered here and you guys are all filling these seats that are empty right now Sometimes we praise the Lord because everybody else is praising the Lord. Maybe we lift our hand because other people are lifting their hands. How was your worship in your home today? Were you just as engaged and just as present as you are here with the crowd? That's something to think about and 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 pray about because, listen, if it's just for the crowd, the scary thing is when the crowd fades, you're going to fade. The scary thing is the crowd may go a different direction and cause you to go a d- different direction. So I just want to challenge you, not guilt trip you. Well, maybe guilt trip you a little bit because you're there and you can't see me and, so, and you can snarl at me and I don't, really don't care because you're behind a behind that camera back there. But hey, let's think about our hearts and where we're at. So these people are glorifying God, and here's what I here's the way I I look at this. God is doing something great and about to do something even greater, and people are stoked about it, everyone except look at verse 39, and some of the Pharisees call to him from the crowd. Teacher Rebuke your disciples. I, this is a crazy thing. Listen, man, every time I believe God starts doing something great and maybe even different, it's the religious people who get upset. It's not the world. The world thinks we're all kooks all the time. So they're not so engaged when something's happening. But man, religious people, you let God do something good and religious people get freaked out. And I'm even going to bring that kind of down home a little bit. Because sometimes, I I think a lot of times, we're religious people. Hey, we want to say we're born again, not me, I'm not, yeah, 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 yeah. We get religious, and here's the thing. Even in our own fellowship, I've seen God do some things, and then all of a sudden, people get critical, Why is this happening? Well, I don't like that. Well, I don't like this. And and we get critical and God is doing something and we can't accept that. Hey, saints, man, I wanna challenge us. I'm challenging myself too. Hey, I'm in that same boat, man. Sometimes I see something happening and I start to get critical and I have to ask myself, am I being a Pharisee right now? Or am I somebody who rejoices when God does something and when God is moving in a great way? So that's my challenge. So you got the Pharisees saying, hey, Jesus, shut those people up. That's Pat's interpretation. And then verse 40, I love what Jesus says to them. He answered them, I tell you that if these should keep silent, these stones would immediately cry out. Jesus says, if I shut these guys up, man, these rocks are gonna uh, shout and holler. These rocks are gonna cry out. Now, are they literally gonna cry out? You know, uh, blessed is the king uh, who comes in the name of the Lord. Are the stones gonna cry out, Hosanna, Hosanna? I'm not sure that's what Jesus was talking about. Jesus was letting the Pharisees know what's gonna happen is gonna happen even if we try and damper it, even if we try and squash it, here's what I know from experience. You can't stop God. Oh, all you can stop is your involvement with God, but you can't stop God. Saints in this time where we're dealing with this COVID-19 and and trying trying to navigate through all of this stuff, here's what I absolutely know. God is working. And God is working in a mighty way. Why? Because he hasn't stopped. Listen, God is not in heaven going, oh no, COVID-19, I don't know what I'm gonna do. Oh no, the churches right now in the US can't gather together. How are we gonna get through this? Here's what I know. God is doing a work. And we need to trust him and we need to know that and we need to be thankful for that and we need to be a people who, you know what? Hey, you can't silence us Because even these stones will cry out. So Jesus is letting them know, you're not gonna stop what God's doing. You can bring whatever you want. You're not gonna stop this. Now comes an emotional part. Listen, this part really, really speaks to my heart. It says, now, as he drew near, he saw the city and he wept over it, saying, if you had known, even you, especially in this your day, the things that make for your peace, but now they're hidden from your eyes. Listen, Jesus is fulfilling Zechariah 9, nine as he's coming in riding on a donkey. You have to read that scripture because it says your king will come lowly and riding on a, on, on a donkey. So Jesus is fulfilling that and as he looks over the city and he's understanding what's going on, he knows he's fulfilling prophecy. I'm not sure the disciples know that yet, but he's fulfilling that prophecy and then he looks over the city and he begins to weep. It's interesting because just a little while back when he raised Lazarus from the dead, it says when he came, he wept. There when he wept, he wept kind of like the word there for weep in, in Lazarus. is kind of like, you know, sometimes I think, you know, macho guys, macho guys don't want to Anybody know they're crying, so they kind of hold it back, and you know a tear will roll out of their eye, and and they kind of wipe it, and you know the old saying, "Oh, I got something in my eye," and you know that, that kind of. So I think it was it was just a little kind of quiet weeping. This word here in Luke chapter 19, when it says he wept, it's more like he was wailing. I don't know if you've ever been around somebody who's just absolutely wailing because they're so broken and so upset. That's what Jesus was doing. That's emotional, that is intense. And listen man, he looks over the city and he's weeping and it says, why? Because he told him, if you had known, even you especially this day, this is your day. I am fulfilling prophecy in your midst. I'm fulfilling Zechariah nine. I'm fulfilling Daniel chapter nine. He's coming in right on cue, right when he was supposed to, right when everything was predicted, and the people can't see it, especially the religious leaders. They're not seeing it. It says it was hidden from their eyes. Why was it hidden from their eyes? Because they refused to see. Have you ever heard that saying? No one's as blind as those who refuse to see. And they're closing their eyes to what's happening. Right now, man, right now, Jesus is fulfilling. And for homework, read, read Daniel chapter 9. It's the 70 weeks. It's predicted exactly when Jesus would, would, would come on that triumphal entry, uh, Daniel prophesies it, Nehemiah, in Nehemiah chapter two gives the, not Nehemiah, but Artaxerxes gives the, the command to rebuild the walls, and listen, according to according to scripture, when he gives the command to rebuild the walls, then there's 483 years, and I'm not going to get into all that, but that, that's what it entails, In 483 years after the command to build the wall, the king, the Messiah will come in, and that's exactly what happened, hey, there's a a couple books out on that that I've I've referenced in the past sir Robert Anderson in the coming prince he does all that detail he was a Scotland Scotland guard Scotland guard Scotland Yard guy and so he gave all the details of that and and laid it all out uh, sir Robert Anderson comes out with the exact day I'm not sure. I'm not really, really sure we can do that. But another writer, another scholar, and Robert Anderson's a like way old guy. Another guy who's not way old, but he's still a old dead guy, Harold Horner, or Horner, uh, who was a teacher at Dallas. Hey, he did the same chronological uh, work, and he comes up and he gives us a good space of time. So listen, this was predicted. By the way, uh, Horner's book is called "Chronological Aspects of." the life of Christ but as we think about these things listen here's what Jesus is saying you should have known why should have they known because it was in scripture saints are you reading your bible sometimes we're criticized about and I've heard this You know, you Christians, you read your Bible in one hand and the newspaper in the other hand. And most of us right now don't know what a newspaper is because we quit doing it. So you're reading your Bible in one hand and your, your iPad and whatever you're hooking up, what news you're hooking up to, you're doing that. I think it's good to read my Bible and what's going on. I think I can correlate those things. And if these guys would have done it, here's the thing. If they would have done it, they would have been with the people shouting, you know, Hosanna, Hosanna, he who comes in the name of the Lord, or blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. They would have been stoked, but they weren't. And Jesus wept over them. And he says, why? Because now it's hidden from your eyes. You're not seeing these things. And then he says, here's what's about to happen. Look at verse 43 for the days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment around you, surround you and close you in on every side and level you and your children within you to the ground and they will not leave in you one stone upon another because you did not know the time of your visitation. They didn't know it, why? because they didn't want to know it. You know, I believe our walking with the Lord or trusting the Lord or even coming to the Lord, giving our lives to Him, it's not a, listen, it's not, a, it's not an act of intellect. I think there's plenty of evidence to prove that God exists. I believe there's plenty of evidence for us to step out in faith. It's an act of the will. We choose not to believe we choose not to do certain things and here's what jesus is telling them because you're choosing to reject the king here's what's whoops here's what's going to happen to you you are going to be destroyed jerusalem destruction is coming upon you and it happened in 70 a.d So he let him know that's what's going on. And he was weeping over that whole aspect of that, that happening. Then, listen, I think this is taking place as he's coming down the Mount of Olives. He's getting ready to go across the Kidron Valley. He's going to go up on the Temple Mount, and he's going to go into the temple area. Look at verse uh, 25, or I'm sorry, 45. And it says, then he went into the temple and began to drive out those who bought and sold in it. Listen, man, Jesus comes where? Into the temple. Where do you think the people expected the king to go? I don't think they expected him to go to the temple. I think they expected the king to either go to the Antonio Fortress and attack that area and get rid of all the guards there, and then even maybe make his way over to Pontius Pilate's palace and kick Pontius Pilate out and get rid of Rome. That's what the Messiah was supposed to do, I think, in their minds. Where does Jesus go? He goes to the temple. Why? Because that's where his throne is. That's his father's house. Even as a child, if you remember, as a 12-year-old, when his parents lost him and, and came and found him, he said, where did you think I would be? I'm in my father's house. And here he comes back to that. That's where he goes. And then it says, listen, man. And he began to drive out those who bought and sold in it, saying to them, it is written, my house is a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. Again, quoting Isaiah and quoting Jeremiah and kind of putting two together. And these guys have come in, the religious people have come in and corrupted the whole Jewish, Jewish, uh, Jewish system of worship and coming together and we need to know that. Now listen, it's not just because they had some commercial thing going because I know some people, some people will even uh, even tell me, they've told me to my face, they go, man, how can, you, how can you have a bookstore? How can you have a coffee house? This is a house of worship and, and et cetera. Listen, Jesus isn't saying not to do that stuff. Here's what he's saying you don't commercialize Christianity. In other words, you don't have to buy coffee here. You don't have to buy books from us. We don't tell you, well, if you really wanna read the right Bible, if you really wanna be part of Calvary Chapel Sierra Vista, you have to buy our Bible. No, we don't tell you that. We're trying to supply for Bibles or for the bookstore, we're trying to give you good resources at reasonable prices and be there for you. As far as a coffee house, that's to encourage fellowship and, and intimacy. But you can avoid those. You hey, Some of you come in, I'm looking at the middle doors there and there's doors right behind them to go outside. You can come in and out those doors and never see that other part. So we're not making you do that, but they were. Here's what was going on. Annas, who is... Really the guy running the show, although he wasn't high priest for a few years, his son Caiaphas is high priest at this time, but he's still running the show behind the scenes. This was called Annas' Bazaar. This is where he ran everything. And hey, these guys were making bucks, and here's what they would do. Number one, when you came in, you had to change your money. Your money wasn't good. You had to get temple money already approved by the temple. So you had to exchange money. Oh, by the way, we don't do it you know, shekel for shekel. We gotta charge you a little bit of interest because we have special money. So then you would have to do that. Then if you brought your animal in, your animal was no good. You had to buy their animal in order to worship. Are you kind of getting what's going on? So you couldn't do anything without first going to this marketplace. That stinks, that's horrible. And Jesus is upset about that. Now secondly, this was all taking place in the court of the Gentiles. Hey, the word they use here for temple means the whole temple area, the whole, what we call today the Temple Mount. So, There's a special word that they would use for meaning the temple proper, the building called the holy place or the holy of holies, but mostly the holy place, that temple. It's a whole different word. So you have that temple where only the priests went in. Then you have the area where the priests did all the sacrificing. Then outside of that, you had the court of the men. And then outside of that, you had the court of the women. So women could only get so close. And then outside of that, you had the court of the Gentiles. All of this trading and, and, and marketing was, going, it was taking place in the court of the Gentiles. That's as close as a Gentile could ever get to God according to Jewish uh, uh, law. And here's the thing, man. They're doing all of this stuff, so you want to go worship God, you got to stand in, in animal dung and listen to animals and, and all the chaos going on. No wonder Jesus turned it over. And I kind of think this. Maybe I'm wrong, but I kind of think as he, was, as he was turning over tables, as he's ripping open cages of, of dove, as he was loosening lambs and stuff, I kind of think he had a little bit of a smile on his face and going, yes, we're getting rid of all of this. And the Gentiles can come again and worship here. So he sets all of that free. By the way, I believe this is the second time he did it. I believe he did it early on in his ministry according to John chapter 2. And then I believe he did it again here. Some people say there's no way. I think he did. Because I think people could rebuild something that quickly. Because we're stubborn. And we're hard headed. And we don't get it. So listen. They're doing that. And then listen. I love this. Verse 47. By the way. 46 ends that day. That's the end of the day. He does that. He goes back to Bethany, spends the night with Martha and Mary, and and uh, uh, you know ministers with them. And and uh, uh, Mary, Mary's praying, and Martha's working, right? So they're hanging out there, and Lazarus is just rejoicing. He's just a happy dude. So someone asked me to say, "Dude, so there you go." so he 's just a happy dude. So listen, man, we have that going on, and then, and then it tells us Luke kind of gives us a little bit of, of uh, uh, foresight ahead. He says, "And he was teaching daily in the temple." so here 's the thing. For homework, you got to read chapters 20 and 21. And hey, read the parallel parts in in, in Matthew especially of what's going on during this time. Because here's the thing, man. Jesus spent a lot of time every day in that temple. That whole week, he was interacting with people, doing teachings, going into the temple, doing different things. And again, Matthew is a great place. Start reading and start looking at, at what he was doing. He wasn't hiding in some corner. He's out in the open and he's doing things. And again, it should be an encouragement to us, man. Don't run away from things, but go towards them. And it says he was teaching daily in the temple, verse 47, but the chief priests and the scribes and the leaders of the people sought to destroy him and they were unable to do anything for all the people were very attentive to hear him. So in chapters 20 and 21, hey, he's teaching. These guys are plotting. How can we kill him? How can we get rid of him? Well, we really can't do it while he's teaching these people because these people are kind of stoked and if we take them while while he's teaching, we're going to look bad and it's all about appearance to them so they can't do anything so they're a little bit dumbfounded. Now, listen, I want to bring that out because of this. God's not dumbfounded during this time. God's doing exactly, exactly what he planned to do. And again, I want to encourage us, man. No matter how crazy things seem to get, no matter how backwards or upside down or whatever things seem to be, God is still in control. And he's working his plan, and we need to trust that. We need to be people who are going to trust that our God is faithful to what he said. And so, hey, they're trying to figure it out. And here's what I love in a little bit, you can read as you're reading along. They don't want to arrest him during the Passover. We're not going to do this during the Passover. When was Jesus crucified? During the Passover. Because that's God's plan. So I just want to encourage us as we look at this. So as we, as we wrap this up today, listen, I want us to think about number one, God is in control and working his plan. But kind of the, the other thing, I want to encourage us, take steps of faith. They don't have to be, listen, I'm not telling you to take a big old leap of faith and do something bizarre. But I know, listen, I know when I read my Bible, God challenges me. And I can either choose to take a step of faith and trust him in what he says in his word and step out, or I can just say, "Nah, not today. I don't want to do that today. God may impress something on your heart. It might be directly from him. Jump out and do that, man. Don't be afraid to take those steps of faith now don't be going around ripping off people's donkeys. That's not what I'm telling you to do. I don't wanna have all of a sudden, you know, Cochise County donkeys are disappearing from every place. So don't, don't take it that way, but hey, you know what? Take a step of faith. Trust him, that's what we, that's what I learned from this and I also learned, man, my God is in control No matter no matter how bad the situation seems. So hey, Let's all stand up and let's close in prayer. Father, we thank you once again for this opportunity today to look at your word, to study your word. And God, I I thank you that you do challenge us. I thank you that we can't, listen, it's not just reading something and walking away and saying, okay, it's reading something and then believing and doing and letting it impact our lives. And I know for every single person who's tuned in, whether you turned in on Facebook Live, whether it was through our app, through some device, I know that God had something for you today. And now, Lord, we just want to take that. Some some of it might just be we need to hide something in our heart so that we're strengthened for the week. Some of it may be an actual something we need to do right now. And I pray that we would have the faith to do it. But God, work in our lives. I pray that we could be some people right now who, Lord, we're we're the bright, shining lights through this difficult time. That as your church, we step up and we step forward and we let the world know this is what Christianity is all about. We live for times like this. And I'm going to ask you, listen, I'm going to ask you right now to stay in that attitude of prayer. And if you're a regular attender, you know what I'm talking about. And I, want you to, I want you to be praying right now. And if, if maybe a family member asked you to tune in, maybe you came across this on Facebook, maybe, maybe you just checked out our website and this things blaring at you. And, and uh, hey, God touched your heart and you want to give your heart to Jesus see Jesus Christ came to die for your sins oh by the way we've all committed sin everyone everyone has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God that's what my bible says so if you've never asked Jesus to forgive your sins he died on the cross so you could be set free if you've never done that i want to challenge you today right now right in your home or or wherever you're at I wanna challenge you, call on the name of the Lord and you will be saved. So here's what's gonna happen, man. I'm gonna lead you in a prayer right now. And I want you to repeat this prayer with me and you will be what the Bible calls born again. Maybe you've come to Calvary for a while and God is tugging on your heart and you need to be real. Maybe maybe you're someone who you don't want everybody else to know, but you're there in your home. You know what, call on the name of the Lord. I wanna challenge you to do that. And call on his name and you will be saved. So say this prayer with me. Jesus, right now I confess to you I am a sinner. I'm sorry that I sinned against you, God. And today, today I'm asking you to forgive me. Jesus, thank you for dying for me. Thank you today for your forgiveness. And I want you to come into my heart and Lord, I want you to change me. I want you to come into my life and guide me. I'm asking you, Jesus, to be my Lord and my Savior. And God, for all of us, we wanna walk with you, we wanna love you and we wanna enjoy you. And we pray these things in Jesus' name amen. Hey, you guys, thank you for watching. Thank you for being part of this service. And uh, hey, if you said that prayer, I'm going to ask you, text us. Let us know at 520-210-3678. Let us know you said that prayer and you meant it. We can get some resources to you as a new believer and help you out in that. And that's our goal.